0: Am I allowed? Oh, good. I don't have to scream. That's all right. Fantastic. Great. Uh, when I was, uh, when I was um, growing up, I grew up on, on farms kind of in southwestern Ontario and, and a little bit of time in the States, too. But when I was a kid, I lived for Saturday morning cartoons. It was my favorite part of the week. And when you live in the farm, we didn't have a satellite or anything. We had to use those stupid rabbit ears and sometimes I even have to climb up on the, on the roof and mess with the antenna, and we'd be lucky if we got two or three channels in, but we'd get like that one-channel global TV, and it didn't come in great, but I'd be up at 6 a.m. on Saturdays, a parent's nightmare, and watching cartoons, and for the life of me, it drove me bonkers every week. For most of my childhood, I was tortured at 10 a.m. by a fishing show (laughs) that would come on right in the midst of cartoons. Kids don't want to watch fishing. Have you ever watched a fishing show? They like go out on a boat, two guys totally amped up with equipment they're speaking a language you can't possibly understand and and, I mean and they hardly say anything for the whole hour it's like she's a beaut and and you're like why and the worst part is because I was a kid and I was addicted to television I would watch it And I'd watch these guys talk and banter like five words over the course of an hour in their boat, thinking this, why, why do you torture yourself with this? Why do you do this? Where's the thrill? And I wanted to spend a little bit of time today talking about fishing, and who better to learn fishing from than learn from the mind of a newfie. So I invited a newfie to come up and teach us a little bit about fishing, yeah. Dave, thanks for joining us. Hey, you're Yeah, yeah. Dave actually carries this every Sunday morning when he comes to <laughs> church. So make sure everyone can see you because you're such a good-looking guy. So i got a couple questions for Dave in case you've never understood why, what fishing is or why people do this. Uh, but, but I think I even wrote them down. I want to make sure. But, but I think for one of us, I mean, most of us are from Toronto, our large city, urban cities. So one question is, where do you fish now? Where's the sound? Perry Sound. Oh, sorry. I should be micing them here, right? Oh, Perry Sound. Perry Sound. You can put this down here. I'm being a bad host. All right. All right. There you go. So Perry Sound, that's like an hour and a half north? Yeah. Yeah. So make sure you hold that up to your mouth so people people can hear you. Fantastic. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Now, why there? Like, is there a particular type of fish you like to catch up there?
1: Well, yeah. I like to catch a walleye and large bass.
0: Okay, you got to say that again, because I didn't catch that. Oh, walleye. Walleye. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah,
1: okay. We have it yeah. down home, too. <laughs> okay,
0: okay. Are yeah. you just making this up to mess with me? Like, no, is it no, an no, actual fish? No no, okay. no, no, it's a natural fish. Okay, okay, No trout, that's about it. Oh, All right. yes,
1: I, oh, wait a minute now, that's why I wear this. Oh, you
0: wear shirt. that in public. Because if I don't go normally okay. fishing, okay. I would
1: uh, use the fly
0: okay. rod. Okay, okay. Yeah. Now, now, for those of us, I, I mean, so, so how, do you, how do you catch these walleye or these fish? How do you do it? I use them lures, a whole bunch of okay, lures. Okay, so you have all these lures stuff here. Stuff that
1: we don't even have down home in Ufaland. Okay. But the people up here say you have to buy it.
0: So I can't, like, cut my finger and just put drops of blood, they don't come to the surface? No, 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 no. I prefer <laughs> dynamite, but yeah, a, yeah well, so this stuff actually works.
1: Yeah, it does, yeah. Okay. A lot of it. Okay. You got jiggers, you got... Okay. Uh, uh, lots of stuff, bass, uh, Do you just make up these
0: that? names like Jiggers? Is that, that just no, no, you're no, just making that, this up? Okay, okay. I say. think he's messing with most of us here. So, <laughs> I don't, uh, so what is you got Jiggers and think what's the best kind of equipment for catching fish?
1: Well, so I'm,
0: I, I'm a newbie. I want to go. See, I want to ca- catch me a wally. Are you, oh, a wally. Oh, yeah, well, just, okay. Uh,
1: just go up north. You know, Perry I just go
0: up north and just jump into my car.
1: Yeah, yeah. You got to yeah. go in the car to get up there. Okay, yeah. so what,
0: I need a good, I need a good, I need a good fishing rod. Oh, you're that's a good me? rod.
1: That's a good okay. rod. it's
0: called the ugly stick. It's an ugly stick. I okay. think that's
1: why I don't get nothing, you know, fishing, okay. you know, because okay. it's called the ugly stick.
0: And then, and then, what's the key? Why can't I just go up with a stick and a string and a hook?
1: No, it ain't normal way of doing it because it ain't gonna come to
0: you. <laughs> it's not the normal way of doing it. You, you gotta
1: have the to bait to the to okay. lure them.
0: You lure them, okay. Yeah. Well, what if I just put a worm on the end of a...
1: Nah, you catch a little minnow or something. Yeah.
0: Okay, but good for bait. This is getting complicated, would you agree? Yeah, okay. Uh, um, I guess the question, the burning question I have in my mind, and maybe it's for many people here, is why do you fish?
1: Because I'm... Born to fish. You're uh, born to fish. Down home in New England. Okay, so it's
0: biological. Yes. Yeah, that explains know, a lot. Yeah. Okay.
1: We, we live by the water. We just fish right there with nets. Okay. We don't use lures down east in New okay. England. No way.
0: No way. Okay. No. You just stick no. your hand we in. We don't even know they, what they, they are okay. <laughs> down home.
1: Okay. But like I say, when I come up here, I have to get this lure, this lure. You know, it costs us a fortune, this stuff.
0: So when you're out on the boat for hours and hours. An hour. So if you're out on the boat for hours and hours and you don't catch anything, is that a good day or a bad day? It's a good day, it's okay. So the point isn't to catch fish, the point is, what's, what's a good day? What makes fishing s- such a...
1: When you get them live
0: bait. Okay, but what See. if you don't catch, you just told me it's a good day even if you don't yeah. catch something. Yeah, yeah, so the point of fishing day. isn't necessarily even to catch something, it's... Yeah,
1: just having, going out, having fun, you know, fresh okay. air. So sitting me, in a boat? Yeah, sitting in a boat. With a know, rod? With my lovely wife, you know. Your wife, okay. I gotta tell you this little story. Little tiny story. We went out fishing, and I'm, and I'm sitting up there going in the boat. She's got a $10 rod and lure, her. that's all she's got, right? Okay. And I'm up there casting this fancy stuff, like, you know, you would never believe it. It's a waste <laughs> of time and money because I never got nothing all that day. But she did.
0: Yeah,
1: well, she caught four fish. Not long nice.
0: Four fish. Nice.
1: And I never got nothing.
0: Well, you got an I'd, ugly stick, so yeah, that doesn't help well, you I, much.
1: That didn't help. No. And then I said to her, you're not coming with me no more. Okay.
0: Right on. No. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. And welcome. Dave will be giving tips after the service. Yeah.
1: Okay, thanks, guys.
0: You're awesome. <laughs> I don't like complicated things. And Dave told that story brilliantly. I'm like Ellen, his wife. You know, just give me a stick and a piece of string and a hook and this summer I took all my kids fishing for the first time it wasn't intentional actually it was unintentional but I was in Niagara Falls we were at this safari and there was a pond stocked with fish and they even provided the, the the poles and the strings and the hooks and the worms we put it in first try fish and I could just check that off my bucket list and go Joe you are a good dad Way to go, way to go. Because when I think of fishing, I remember fishing, it seems a bit complicated. And I don't like complicated things. I like simple things. but our tendency as humans is to naturally complicate things. And and you start even thinking about fishing. You got like lures and, and, and ugly sticks and all sorts of kinds of baits and slickers and you need the right kind of hat and sunglasses and the right kind of cologne and all those things. And it gets really complicated. I don't know about you, but I like simple and beneficial. When things are simple and beneficial, I tend to do them. I even will do things that are complex and beneficial every once in a while. But if things are complex and not beneficial, I delegate them to all of you. (laughs) Simplicity rules. And we're right in the middle of this series on commitment. And a few weeks ago, we talked about commitment to fellowship, what it means to be a part of a church family. And last week, we started, and for a few weeks, we're talking about being committed to mission. And last week we talked about, I gave you 10 points. It was an awful lot of data, but 10 points on why Jesus' mission should matter to me. And we got talking about Jesus' mission. Jesus' mission 2,000 years ago, he came down, he lived the life we all should have lived, he died the death we should have died, and he did it to reconcile us with God so that we could have eternal life. And that mission, that was his mission, and my challenge to you is our mission— needs to align with his mission. If his mission was to bring the world the good news, our mission in tune should be in tune with that. It should be as well to let everyone know the good news. Because bringing glory to God is by fulfilling the mission He's, he's created me for, and you and I, we've been created and designed right from the beginning to fulfill this mission. Paul says it this way in Acts chapter 20, the most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people the good news about God's grace. Paul understood his mission, and when we understand our mission, what we've been created to do, because we've been made in God's image, we, we get so much contentment and peace about it. Now, one thing that's so fascinating is Jesus, when he's talking about his mission and his mission that he wants to give with us, to us, he uses a fishing metaphor. And he uses it over and over again in Matthew and Mark and Luke. And like, if you're like me, I don't know a whole lot about fishing. Hence, the expert came and told us a little bit. But also, it's like, why did Jesus use fishing metaphors so much? Part of the reason was he lived by the lake. Another big reason is most of his disciples were fishermen. And he says this in Matthew chapter 4, very, very famous verse. Jesus called out, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for the souls of men, for the souls of women. I will make you fishers of men. Some of us know that song. There's songs that are written about that. I want you to fish for people, which is kind of a weird metaphor, isn't it? I mean, We talked about fishing for fish. So is fishing for people much different? So if that's the case, if Christ came and his mission was to reconcile us with God, and his mission he has for us is for us to go around telling others how they can be reconciled with God, he uses this fishing metaphor. So what does it mean to fish for people? Because as Dave talked about, if I want to be good at fishing, I need the right right equipment, I need the right tools, I need to go to a pond that has fish in the pond. That might be helpful, right? So if Jesus is using this metaphor, I want to follow it through. So first thing is, if I'm going to fish for people, I want to go somewhere where there's fish. And and, uh, Jesus says this in Acts chapter 1, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to every part of the world. Now, how many of you live anywhere near Jerusalem, Judea, or Samaria? That's not our pond. Where's our pond? So if you see there, Jesus starts with Jerusalem, then he says Judea, then Samaria, kind of goes out. I would say our immediate pond is right here, Etobicoke. Right here, right smack in Etobicoke. I, I, I presently literally live 500 meters from the church. So I'm living the dream in Toronto. My commute is very, very simple. I can walk home in six minutes and walk back. And so where I attend, where I work, uh, where I live is all within half a kilometer of here. And my present pond is really, really close. Some of you may li- live in Brampton. So your pond looks a little bit different. Some of you may be in Mississauga. Some of you may be in uh, Scarberia. Maybe you're visiting today and you're from way up north or you're from Newfoundland, you know. But your pond might look a little bit different. But first of all, you need to identify, if Jesus calls us to fish, where's my pond? Now, the second one's this, because I want to I continue to take this metaphor right down is, and I need to do my homework. So, okay, I identify my pond. I'll say it's within a kilometer of here. That's my pond. Next thing is, I want to do my research. I want to learn about the kind of fish that are in my pond. Dave taught me about Wally's today. Never heard of that one, but that's good to know. I still think he made it up. But, but Paul, Paul writes this to, uh, to the Corinthian church. He says this, "'To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews.'" To those who are without the law, I became like a person who is without the law. To those who are weak, I became weak so I could win the weak. I become all things to all people so I could save some of them in any way possible. I do all this because of the good news and so I can share in its blessings. So I've told you about my pond, Richview's pond. Let me tell you about a little bit of research I've done over the last couple years, because I've lived here almost, almost four years. I've really gotten to know our neighborhood. I've really gotten to know how our neighborhood is changing drastically. Ten years ago, our neighborhood was 60% Italian, and that, that demographic is shifting drastically. Most of the people in our immediate neighborhood who live in houses were, are, were original homeowners, so they've been there for 40, 50, 60 years most of them are leaving now either leaving this present earth or going into nursing homes and what's replacing them? there's this huge turnover happening and they're being replaced in there our neighborhood is changing drastically and i've given them the title who's what we're uh, fishing for i've called them etobicoke earl and ellen i was just trying to find two names that started with e it's a thing pastors like to do and so I've, I've described them as, who are we fishing for? Etobicoke, Earl, and Ellen. You may not even know an Ad- or Earl or an Ellen, but those are the names I've given them because it just rhymes with, or it starts with the same letter as Etobicoke. And here's a couple things you need to know about them. They're well-educated. Most of them, many of them have one to two kids. Not, not more, maybe less. They like their jobs and where they live. Health and fitness are high priorities. Here's an interesting one. They are skeptical of organized religion. So what we're doing right now, very skeptical, very, very suspicious. They think, they think they are enjoying life more now than ever. They prefer the casual and informal over the formal. And they are overextended in both time and money. And some of you read that, see that, and go, hey, that's me! <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Or, I'm, or pretty close to that. So I've given you Richview's pond, and I've described to you what is becoming the majority type of fish in our pond. And I wanna give you one more thing, because if we're carrying this metaphor, this fishing metaphor, all the way, what does it mean to fish for people? I gotta ask you one last question, and this is where we get hung up. What is our fishing equipment? What is our bait? Because if we know the pond, and we know the fish, we then therefore now need what? The right kind of equipment, the right kind of bait. And here's what happens, and I said this earlier, we like to make things complex. Our natural tendency is to make things complicated. But like Dave said, his wife, Elaine, had great success when things were simple. And when it comes to fishing, fishing, the equipment, the bait, it's really simple. But the natural tendencies of preachers and of Christians is to make it really, really complicated when it comes to Jesus and the kind of fishing he's called us to. And so consequently, when we're out there in the neighborhood, at work, at school, or whatever, people we talk to about Christianity, they're actually not. They think what they're hearing about Christianity isn't actually Christianity. And and what they think is Christianity isn't even Christianity. And so they reject some kind of distortion of Christianity. So what I'd like to do for just a couple minutes, just a couple minutes, and then we're going to respond after with communion, is I want to answer two questions for you. Two questions for you. So some of you, you, you already may have already had this information, and some of you it may be the very first time, but I want you when you leave here today to very, very, be very, be able to go up to people very simply and explain to them two very simple things that when the subject arises what it means to become a Christian. And I want to do it in such a way that you can memorize it. That you will not forget it. So that when you sit down with your children or your nieces and nephews, your coworkers, your friends, for the rest of your life, when someone you love comes to the point and says, what does it mean to become a Christian? How do I become a Christian? You'll be able to manage that. You'll be able to just point them very simply and succinctly to it. Because one of the challenges for a lot of us is we think you have to have all this equipment and all this bait. And we think we have to have all the answers. We think we have to unravel the mystery of creation and evolution. We think we have to understand what premillennial dispensationalism is. We, we, ha- we think we have to be able to answer, did Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden have navels? And, and, and so and so on and so on. And we make it so complicated. Another, uh, we we think, hey, did Christmas happen on December 25th? I was thinking about this this past weekend. Or did it happen on Friday when 300 million people around the world actually celebrate Christmas during the Feast of Tabernacles? I'm guessing most of you didn't know that. Do you have to know this stuff? Absolutely not. And we make it so complicated when Jesus made it so simple. So here's the two questions when it comes to becoming a Christian, what does a person need to know to become a Christian? And what does a person need to do to become a Christian? And what's great, what's great about this is that the answer to these two questions is the same for everybody. It's the same for anyone who's ever walked the planet and and the answers to those questions, give it up here, they're so simple. That's what's really, really exciting. That's really good news on top of the good news. Now, if you're here today, and you're hearing this message, and you're like, I'm a total skeptic. I don't believe this Christianity stuff. I'm only here because someone offered me lunch or dinner, or actually I was going to visit my, my, my mom or my aunt in the residence, and I took a wrong turn. <laughs> so glad you're here today. I'm so glad you're here today, because you may, for the rest of your life, reject Christianity, and you have Every right in the world to do that. But I'm thrilled today that you're gonna hear and maybe understand for the first time exactly what it is that you've decided not to believe. And at least you'll understand what it is that when people say, Would you like to become a Christian? you can go, Oh, that's, I get it. I understand. So I'm gonna throw one verse up on the screen. If you had inserts in your bulletins today, there was one verse on it. You can follow along there too. Many of you would know this verse. Today, if you watch football this afternoon, you'll see this verse. It's a very famous verse. It's a very simple verse. But this is the only thing you need for the rest of your life if you want to sit down with someone. Here's what you got to know. Here's what you got to know, and here's what you got to do. Let me tell you. But first things this is let me tell you what you do not need in order to become a Christian. First off, you don't become a Christian by attending church. You don't become a Christian by attending church. Attending church will not make you any more Christian than going to McDonald's will make you a Big Mac. Right? Won't do it. Second thing is, neither are we talking about becoming a Christian is not getting your life together and straightening up. You hear it all the time. You need some religion because you have to stop doing this or that. That's not what it means to become a Christian, getting your life all figured out. Not at all. Thirdly, neither is it praying a prayer. Becoming a Christian is not praying a prayer. How do you feel about that one? That's how I was raised. And I was told, if you're raised like I was, you became a Christian by praying a prayer. And, and so people had this mandate in their head, if I can just get my son, my daughter to church, or if I can somehow like subversively get them to pray this prayer, then they'll become a Christian. There's no example of that in this book anywhere. There's no example of anybody praying a prayer and becoming a Christian and the whole depth and breadth of scripture, not one. And some of you are thinking, right, well, well, all of a sudden you don't know if you're a Christian because I keep pulling the rug out on you. I got one more here for you. Becoming Christian is not committing yourself to God. It's not committing yourself to God. And some of you are like, you gotta be kidding. You gotta be kidding. See, and here's the problem here, and I, I said it earlier and I'll keep saying it. We've made it so complicated. We made it like you gotta jump through these hoops and you gotta know all this and you gotta know that, you gotta do this, you gotta be able to dance this way. No, you don't dance at all, but uh, you gotta do all these things. And we make it so difficult to understand, so difficult to sort out, and so intangible that we confuse ourselves and we confuse everyone we're talking to. How can you fish if you don't even know what the bait is? How can you be an effective fisherman if you're like, I'm gonna go fish for people and I'm gonna like put something I don't even understand on the, and I'm somehow gonna lure them in? So here we go, here we go. Here's what you need to know. Really, really simple. For God so loved. Can you say so loved with me? Excellent. People who aren't Christians need to know that God loves them. And this is good news because some of you here today, some people we know, some of us, we are running from God because we think God is what? Chasing us. And so we're on the move. And maybe not literally, but it's like we think God's after us because of that thing we did. And so we have this view of God that God's after us, and He's going to lay smack down. And we're like, "I'm just going to put this off for a little bit. I'm just, uh, I'm uh, not right now." And we've missed the whole point of what it means to become a Christian. John three sixteen says, "For God so what? God so loved, God so loved the world." God God wasn't ticked with the world. God wasn't angry with the world. God is not sitting up there with a lightning bolt looking for you, waiting for you to stop so we can hammer you. God's not ticked. because I mean, if God was ticked, he would just ignore us. God loves us. And so he's not chasing after you. He's pursuing you. Because he wants to let you know that he loves you. He's so in love with you. And why is he in love with us? Because we're created in his image. We're his creation. He loves his creation. He wants a relationship with his creation. God loved. And then the verse goes on. God loved, God loved, God loved. That's the first word. And what do you do for people you love? He gave. So God, for God so loved the world, he gave. Can you say that with me? He gave. gave. Excellent. So he gave what? He gave his one and only son. God loved, so God gave. And he gave his one and only son. What do you need to know in order to become a Christian? God loved. God, that's all you need to know. Woo-hoo! Touchdown. That's it. And you're like, no, no, no. You're, you're thinking in your head right now. I know what you're doing. No, 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 there's more. No. That's all you need to know. God loved. God gave. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know to become a Christian. You don't need to know how old Methuselah lived to. 969, by the way. But no, you don't need to know that. You, you don't need to know whether Judas who betrayed Jesus died by hanging himself on a tree or died by jumping off a cliff and his bowels exploding when he hit the ground. There's two different stories in the scriptures. I personally believe they, it was all one, but who knows? Who cares? But we, get, we make it so complicated about all these things. All you need to know is God loved and God And if that's too complex, just remember loved and gave. Love gave. We can do this. Yes, God loved the world. He gave his son. What does that mean? It means he specifically sent his son in the world to die for our sins. why did he do that? Because he loved the world, so he gave what was most precious to us because he loved us so much. And that should prove to all of us here he wasn't ticked and he's not after you he's not chasing you with a lightning bolt he just wants you to know that you're loved and that he wants a relationship with you he just wants to rescue you so that's what you need to know god loved god gave. nice so we've answered the question what do you need to know pretty easy right god loved god gave now there's the second question i promise i would answer so what do you need to do? What do you need to do? What did God do? He loved. What also did he do? He gave. What do, we know, what do we need to know in order to become a Christian? God loved. God gave. I'm going to keep repeating this until you're really emphatic and you prove to me you got it down. God loved. God gave. And then there's the next part. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in, believes in, shall not perish that is the person that believes. God gave, and we, what do we need to do in order to become Christians? We need to believe. And this is where I think a lot of people end up sometimes. They're like, yeah, yeah, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus came. I, I, I go to church a couple times a year. I, I help out late at nights. I, I serve. I clean up. I do all these things. But there's more to believe than just believing. Believing really means, in the Greek there, if you really unpack it, it means to put your trust in something. Belief is to really put your trust in something. If I had a stool right there, hey, let's steal that. The musicians can forgive me after. But if I say to you, I believe in this stool, how many of you believe in me? You're like, what is he talking about? No one should put their hands up because I haven't shown you that I trust it. If I were to say I believe in the stool, what do you need in order for me to substantiate that? Sit on it. I believe in the stool. Who believes me? You still shouldn't put your hand up because I'm only kind of sitting on it. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, that, there we go. All right. I believe in the stool. Yeah? Okay. Yes. God gave, God loved, God loved, God gave, we believe. We put our trust in. Just to say I believe in Jesus. No, no, no. Get up on the stool. Put your faith in it. Put your tr- put all your weight on it. We must believe that God loved and God gave. I need to put all my weight on that fact. Uh, that's what I need. in order to become a Christian, I put all my trust in believing that God loved us and God sent Jesus, God gave Jesus, and I'm putting all my weight, my belief, my trust in that. So let's review in case you've already forgotten. What do I need to know to become a Christian? Love and God okay. And what do I need to do? Whohoo! We're done. We're done. That's it. Yahoo! How many of you are like, wait a second. What about like part four and five and six and seven? What, what about all the other stuff? All, it's all about understanding that God loved, God gave, and we need to believe. It's about understanding that God made a commitment to us. It's not about us promising God anything. It's about recognizing that God loved and God gave us a gift. He committed to us the most precious thing and if we believe, awesome. That's how I become a Christian. That's it. What do you need to believe to become a Christian? Believe that God loved and God gave and put your weight in that. Now here's the thing, and I know there's a little bit more to the verse there and you're waiting for me to finish off, but when someone gives you a gift, perhaps a stool, but someone gives you something, or sorry, when, when someone loves you, and someone, yeah, gives you a gift, and, 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 you, and in this case, we, we believe, what, what, what's the result of believing that we've been given this gift? And I said that very poorly, but the result is we have eternal life. As a result of God loving, God giving, us believing this gift that he sent to us, we now receive. Can you say receive with me? Receive. So it's God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. And what is it that we receive? We receive eternal life. Now here's the good news and bad news. Everybody receives eternal life. I don't know if you knew that. Everybody receives eternal life. And there's all sorts of disagreement, but if you disagree with me on that, you ever been to a funeral? And when they put that person, whether it's in the casket or when they put them in the ground and they throw the dirt on it, I would question anybody. I would challenge anybody who says, well, that's the end, They're a worm buffet. I would say to anybody, there isn't a person on planet earth who deep down does not think in their head there's got to be more than this why do we think that why is that there because god's thumbprint is on us we're made in his image we know there's more to life than just this and whether you're talking to your neighbor, someone who aren't believers anybody in spite of their arguments in spite of their objections When people are put into a box and buried, there is an element of curiosity that there is something more. And it's because we are eternal beings that are made in his image. And God made a promise to us. God made a commitment to us that he loved us. He gave his son. If we believe, we will receive what? Eternal life. Everyone gets eternal life. But what's different is that when we receive Christ, that gift of Christ, we're made new and whole and reborn as a result of what Christ has done. And we're put into right understanding with God for all of eternity. And that's why when someone says yes to Jesus, when someone says, I believe that God loves me, God sent Jesus for me, I I believe that, I put my weight on that, I've received that, you begin to notice with people, they begin to change. They begin to become more and more like the character of Jesus because they understand God loved, God gave, we, receive, we, we believe, we receive. People don't spend eternity separated from God because of sin. Because there's a solution for sin. Sin. And this is what we have to be so clear about. People spend eternity separated from God because they haven't believed, received. That's why. And they haven't experienced that eternal life that can only come through Jesus. The issue sin is not the problem for God anymore, it's been paid for. And the good news is simple. The problem is we make this whole fishing thing so complicated. And so when we sit with people and we share with them this good news, maybe we share with them, hey, do you know that God loves you? And he gave his son. And if you believe, you put your weight on that, you'll receive eternal life. They may not always bite. They may not always believe. But it's extraordinarily simple, isn't it? Some of you are hearing this maybe for the thousandth time today, but for the first time you're like, is it really that simple? And our responsibility in life is just to live that out. And so when the opportunity comes, we may be sitting in that Tim Hortons or that Starbucks or at home or by the school locker or on the campus or at work and all we might have is a napkin or the bottom of a coffee cup or our wrist or whatever and we just jot down John three sixteen. And we, like, circle those four key words. God loves you. Look what God gave. And if you believe, you'll receive. And, and you might be sitting here thinking today, you know, I know you're explaining this to people today so they'll know how to explain it to other people, but I've never understood it before. And I always thought it was more complicated in fact, I'm sure some of you today are actually kind of, your stomachs might be in a knot because you're like, there's no way the gospel is that simple. There's no way it's that simple. If you're listening today and you thought for the first time, you know what? I believe that. That God loves me. That God gave Jesus. And I, and I believe that. And I want to receive that. I'm not going to ask you to pray right now. Even though I think prayer is a way of saying to God, God, I recognize that you love me and what you gave me. And I believe that that's one way of doing it. But what I'm going to do is a little bit different today. If you're ready, you want to make that decision. If you want to say, God, I'm all yours. We're going to have a song come up on the screen. And you can just listen to it. And maybe as the words are coming up on your screen, you might want to just say in your heart. Maybe you want to pray it out loud. Maybe you want to pray, pray it in you. Maybe just want to dwell and think about it. God, I know you love me. I believe you gave your only son. I want to put all my weight on that. I believe in that, and I'm trusting you, and I want to receive eternal life through you. Will you honor me through my simple faith? So I'm going to have this song up on the screen, and if you're there, I hope you would just really, really think about how simple It is to fish and be fisher people.